This my Bible, it is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do everything the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I'll never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. By the way, if you want to go to special meetings where they actually know what they're talking about, they start next Sunday at Faith Christian Center. It's called the Week of Increase. I watched all of the 2018 Week of Increase this week. I'm into the 2019 Week of Increase this week. And I am telling you, as a lifelong Pentecostal who is educated, that guy knows what he's talking about. Amen? Let's go back to Luke chapter 5. The title today is Your Best for His Best. This is it. Your best for his best. Say it out loud. I'm going to give God my best, and then I'm going to believe God for his best. Luke 5, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, didn't ask permission. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he borrowed the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, oh my gosh, he got a miracle listening to pre-death, burial, and resurrection Jesus. <laughs> say it out loud. Who'd have thought it? Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets when they had done so. Oh my gosh, there's the problem. See, that's why they say you can't go by anything Jesus said pre-death, burial, and resurrection because of stuff like this, when they had done so. Shout it out loud five times, when they had done so. You know, next to getting married to Sue, I think the greatest day of my life was the day I sold my lawnmower. <laughs> you can wish your grass cut, but when is it going to be cut? When you have done so. And in my case, when you have hired someone to do it. Do you under but it's got to be done. Do you understand? You can wish it done. You can hope it done. But when is your answer going to come? When you have done what the Lord has said to do. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore. 
left everything and followed him. Now these past three weeks, we have spent our time looking at two miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 14 and this miraculous catch of fish in Luke 5 and discussing how our wonderful father called himself in the time of Abraham, the almighty God. In the Hebrew, it reads El Shaddai. So he isn't just the God of enough, he's the God of more than enough. Genesis 17, 1. And when Abram was nine years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. In the Hebrew it reads, El Shaddai, walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. So God has got increase on his mind. Say it out loud, God has got increase on his mind. Say it again, God has got increase on his mind. And in these three weeks, I have given you three huge factors to the miraculous catch of fish in Luke 5, verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, we haven't brought it up before, but notice that Jesus doesn't come along and help somebody that's sitting on the side of the shore collecting a welfare check, smoking the bong. He comes along to help somebody who had at least been trying he had at least been doing something. Second, because you say so. Peter said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And third, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So when Jesus is getting ready to bless your life supernaturally, he will always ask something of you. He will make a demand on your faith. When God is ready to bless your life supernaturally, he will make a demand of you, a demand of faith. This is basic. This is fundamental stuff. And listen, I, I know this is why a lot of people don't pray because they don't want God asking them for something. Anytime the Lord comes along and asks you for something, God, how many of you understand God doesn't need your $100? Let me see your hand. If you understand God doesn't need your $100 and God doesn't need your $1,000. How many of you understand God doesn't need your $1,000? So when God comes along and he asks you to give something, he's not trying to get money from you. He's trying to get money to you. Now, I'm not talking about Pastor Gene calling you up and saying, you know, we need for you to give $1,000 to this or that because in 38 and one half years, that has never happened one time. Not one time. I have maintained all of these years, we follow the instructions of the Word of God, and then we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. You go to a lot of churches and they'll try and prophesy money out of your pocket into their pocket. We don't do that. We have never done that. But as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the impartation of the Holy Spirit in a measure. If we're baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, we have the, the uh, a fullness of measure of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, surely he leads us and guides us. Even though Peter had every right to be discouraged, he was willing to obey the command of Jesus. Peter met the demand of faith. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. When, they, when did they get their financial miracle? When did they get their supernatural financial miracle? When they had done what Jesus asked of them. And when will you get your miracle? When you have done what the Lord is asking of you. This miracle of supernatural provision occurred as or after they had done what Jesus asked them to do. You see this, I mean, we could do a two-year Sunday morning series just on this. Remember when Peter needed money to pay his taxes, and Jesus said, go fishing, and uh, when Peter went fishing, the first fish he caught, there was a gold coin in the fish's mouth. 
What, what if he hadn't gone and done? What if he had not done what Jesus said? What if he had not taken action? You see this, it's all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. And that's why what they're teaching is so damning because they're telling people you don't have to do anything. Listen, this is how miracles happen in the word of God and this is how miracles happen in our life. The Lord speaks to us. We hear, we believe, we take action, and then the Lord responds. The only person who doesn't understand this is somebody who doesn't believe that there's a God in heaven and he's alive and he answers prayers. It shouldn't be a shock at all. Amen. The miracle of supernatural provision occurred as or after they had done what Jesus asked them to do. Peter met the demand of faith, hence he got the prize. So why did they pull their boats up on shore and leave their boats, their nets, their businesses? Because they had found the master of supernatural provision. They had found the master of multiplication. They had found the master of seed faith giving. They had witnessed firsthand the miracle of seed faith giving. Simon Peter, James, and John saw how they could obtain a supernatural harvest by partnering their lives together with Jesus. And you too can reap a supernatural harvest financially if you will but trust God sufficiently to hear his voice and obey his instructions. This is how we did this. This is how we did this. This is how we did this. Yeah, yeah. You know, our, our grocery budget when we got married was $10 a week. You'd have to bring that up into $20, $22, but it still wouldn't be much. We realized it didn't take long. We realized we couldn't live on $10 a week. We bumped it to $15 a week. I'm, but we were tithing. We were tithing. That's the point. We were tithing. I'm sure some of those kids that were in seminary that Sue and I had gone to Bible school with, you understand, there was a group of us full gospel people at the Baptist seminary, so we kind of hung out together, and we would go to dinner together, and we'd invite each other over for dinner, and we'd kind of hang out together because we were, we were a full gospel tribe hanging out with the Baptists. You understand what I'm talking about? And, uh, but I'm, I, I don't know that they were all tithing. I don't know that they were all tithing. But we were tithing. And then uh, the very next, the four, first full year of marriage, 1977, we were running behind and, the, and we, had, we were down to $1,400. It's all we had. It's all we had, $1,400. And, and it was, you know, dwindling away like hot butter in the Texas sun in August. And I told Sue, I feel like I'm being nibbled to death by a duck. I said, let's give it to God and see what God will do. I mean, we had never been taught this, never been trained this. And actually, I don't think that was an act of faith as much as it was an act of desperation. And we gave it to God. And within, within 30 days, somebody gave us, an, a brand, it was not a brand new automobile, but it was nearly new. It was under warranty. And it was a great car. Sue loved it. And $2,800 it was worth back in those days. And we were ecstatic for a, a twofold return. Now, don't be bothering me with a two-fold return in 2022. I'm going for a hundred-fold return on everything. But in 1977, man, we were ecstatic. We were ecstatic on a two-fold return. You want to know how your pastor's hardwired in 2022? The Lord come along and give me, a while back, he gave me a 40-fold return. And I said to him, I went to prayer one time. I said, thank you very much. I'm grateful, but I got another 60-fold coming in. And I just stay with it. Amen. 
and I keep track of it. I don't, I don't give up on stuff. I don't let go of stuff. And when it get to a hundredfold, then I go to the next thing and I confess a hundredfold in on the next thing. Somebody might say that's crazy. Well, it's working. Amen. I just stay with it. Amen. Amen. Until I get what I'm confessing. My God, but that's how we got here. And this church is giving money away all the time, giving money away all the time. We're sending a check tomorrow. You know, the missions fund is in the red. It's going to push us further in the red. I don't care. I'm going to do what the Lord led me to do. And uh, over time, it'll come back to us. It'll come back to us. It'll come back to us. We're giving money away all the time. From the day we pioneered this church... If you give $100 as a tithe or offering, automatically in the accounting, we move 10% to missions. We have done that since January 1, 1984. That's part of the reason we're able to live at this place of peace and prosperity. Amen. Tell your neighbor, this church tithes. Tell the neighbor on the other side, this church tithes. Shout it out loud. My great God is more than enough and as I sow my faith seed I believe I've got more than enough being multiplied back into my life so when God asks you to give something to him God's not trying to get something from you no God's trying to get something to you now miracles listen carefully to these words miracles are simply the result of some action on the believer's part This action could be speaking the word of God. This action could be giving. Or this action could be obedience to some command of God. But by whatever action faith manifests itself, miracles are simply one kind of reaping in the kingdom of God. Miracles are simply the result of some action on the believer's part. This is the key reason for seed faith giving because seed faith giving means taking an action of faith. I dare you. I dare you, start, start reading the Bible over and uh, find me one example of a miracle where God came along and gave him a miracle without a preceding action on a man or a woman's part. There was always uh, a confession or there was always an action taken or there was always some act of obedience, but somebody did something and God responds. Amen. Now, see, that's exactly why the do-nothing doesn't like that message because if God responds and you're a do-nothing, that means God does not respond. Amen. But he's been responding to me. I know that. James 2, 7, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Say it out loud. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead so faith is not faith without action faith without action is dead and that is why you have to sow your seed for the miracle you need your miracle will not come to you by luck or chance no your miracle will come to you by choice now God's people typically make four mistakes in their giving hopefully as you hear this message today you will see these for the mistakes that they are and counteract the temptation to give in to these common mistakes among God's people first. Too many of God's people are not doers of the word of God and don't follow biblical instructions, giving God's work 10% of everything that crosses their hands. Second, 
even among many tithers, too many of God's people don't give what the Holy Spirit tells them to give above and beyond the tithe. Third, when God's people do give, most do not attach their anticipation or their expectation to their giving. When we give, we fully expect, expect not only for it to be returned, we fully expect it to be multiplied. Now, I made my comments about the hundredfold return. That's true. But that doesn't apply to all giving. That does not apply to all giving. When you give alms to the poor, there's no promise in the Word of God for that to be multiplied. But there is a promise in the Word of God for that to be replaced. When we have done giving to our children, there's no promise in the Word of God that that, that giving, that type of giving will be multiplied. But I have believed and I have confessed and at least in my life, God has replaced all the money I gave my children. So 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold does not apply to all giving. That's why you can't give your money to the United Way and make this work. It applies to God's work and God's house and God's mission. Can I get an amen? amen? And fourth, too many of God's people separate out Sunday from Monday through Friday, and they do not take God to work with them. So they don't perceive, they don't envision God's power at work in their lives financially on a daily basis. Say it out loud. I'm going to give God my best, and then I'm going to believe God for his best. Now, you have to understand that when when the Lord spoke to me in that dorm room at Miami University in 1973, in the summer of 1973, I, I didn't have a vision. I didn't have a vision for getting a, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a doctorate. I didn't have a vision for all of that. But some way, somehow, it got into my heart to give God my best. That, that's really what motivates me. There's not another church you could identify that's got granite countertops in every restroom. You know how the million-dollar remodel got started? Aaron Wood took me out to the fellowship atrium and showed me some broken tiles. And before we knew it, Pastor Gene has spent a million bucks. <laughs> it's God's house. You know, as well as I do, we just report, you've been driving around the barricades out here on the south side. You know, as well as I do, there's not one church out of 50 that would tear out concrete and re-pour it at highway quality level simply because there was some cracking and busting and aging in the concrete. You know that as well as I do. I mean, not only would there be grass growing up through there in most churches, there'd be trees coming up through there. <laughs> but God somehow got that in my heart. And I'm telling you this morning with no compunction whatsoever that if you will dare to give God your best, God will turn right around and see to it that you get his best. Amen. The best. The best. I know I'm not current. I realize that. But to me, to show up at church in a swimsuit and Crocs 
is not my best. It may be, now where it's cool, I have no idea. But they think that's cool. Or a tracksuit. See, you need to understand this to understand me. This is my thinking on all of it. I, I'm going to give him my best. We study these sermons all week long. The best, the best, the best, the best. And he turns right around and gives me his best. Amen. Amen. This is Isaiah 119. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. And I can hear Kenneth Hagin Sr. say, if it's the will of God that you eat the best of the land, it must be the will of God that you drive the best of the land. If it's the will of God that you eat the best of the land. Listen, there is, the, the, I understand, I understand, I understand. I understand. You know, I took three family members over to Del Frisco's two weeks ago. It's $450. This is what they've done. This is what they have done. So I understand you can go to QT and get four hot dogs, and it's just not that much money. I understand that. But that, to me, is not the best. See, I, I'm giving him my best, standing here right now, studied up, prayed up, ready to go. I know what I'm talking about, and I came dressed, and I'm giving him my best. Amen. Then I turn right around, and I expect him to give me his best, and he does 100% of the time. Amen. Amen. Can you see it? Amen. The best. The best. Give him the best. Because he's worthy. I said, he's worthy. I said, man, he is awesome. He's wonderful. He's holy. He's gracious. He's kind. He's loving. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God his mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but I need those new mercies every morning. Hallelujah. I'm not looking for judgment. I'm looking for grace. He's wonderful. He's gracious. And he shows love and kindness to those who love him for a thousand generations. That's the God we serve. So why, why would I aspire to give him my least? Why would I aspire to do a, a, a mediocre job for him? Why would I aspire to come and be prepared at a D minus level? The best. Because he's the best. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm going to dare to give God my best. And then I'm going to turn right around and believe God for his best. Amen. We see these same principles in Jesus' dealings with Peter and his friends. These men were not accustomed to looking to God as their supply. In the fishing business, instead, they looked to themselves. They were fishermen by trade. They looked to their knowledge and experience and to their own efforts. Although doubtless they were tithers paying one-tenth of what they'd already earned or what they owed to God, they had not understood Jesus' way of giving above and beyond the tithe in the New Testament, which 
is personified in Luke 6.38 where Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Seed faith giving is sowing and reaping. Say it out loud. Seed faith giving is sowing and reaping. The farmer who wants a crop first gives seeds to the earth. If you want a crop, you gotta, you got to put seeds in the earth. The seed and the ground belong to each other in the same way you and your giving and God belong to each other. It is this interaction that it is in this interaction that the seed is multiplied. This is how we started this series. We have seeds in packets. Uh, apple seeds, cantaloupe seeds, watermelon seeds. That's how we started this series. And as long as the seed is in the packet, it's dormant. But you introduce the seed to the earth, you introduce the seed to the earth, and the seed knows its business. And what, whether you are awake or whether you are asleep, whether it is night or whether it is day, the seed knows its business and the seed is working. And the seed will produce according to its own kind. As Pastor Sue is constantly telling me, when you give a thing to God, it never re remains small. It's the same with the farmer. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Is there anybody here that wants nothing impossible faith? I, I'm asking a question. Is there anybody here that wants nothing impossible faith? Well, nothing impossible faith is a faith based on seed faith giving. If a farmer has a tiny little mustard seed, it only remains small if he does not plant it. But if that farmer plants even that tiniest of seeds, it will grow into a large tree. Like Sue says, when you give a thing to God, it does not remain small. It cannot remain small. The first thing Jesus did to help them get their, was get their eyes off the problem. Their eyes were on how they had worked all night and hadn't caught anything. I know it seems very unfair. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. It seems very unfair. You know, Tiff Shuttlesworth, God bless him, he preached for one of the biggest denominational full gospel churches in the state of Texas. If I remember right there, he was there a whole week, a whole week, a whole week, and then came to us, and he was here on a Sunday morning, and the offering he got here was something like 20 times as much money as that full gospel denominational church had given him for working a whole week. Of course people want to come here. We just say no. I mean, it would seem very unfair, wouldn't it? But see, the difference is you folks are word taught. And when you're word taught, you know how to take action on the word of God. And then God blesses you and God multiplies you. Then you're better off next week. So then when the next missionary comes along or the next evangelist comes along, you, you know, you're, you're, you're saying to yourself, well, man, that worked last time. I'm going to do that again. Because the word works. Theories, ideas, and opinions don't work. You know, I've got a good friend. He pastors in, he was my best friend in high school. He pastors in Houston, Texas. And I remember the day, I remember the day. He was telling me, he read this, that, you know, uh, if you just eat protein, you're not going to gain as much weight. And so, you know, he had the idea, let's order two or three pizzas and let's just eat the tops off them. 
And we did that, we did that, we did that. Oh my gosh, you know, the next day I felt terrible and I was heavier and whatever. See, theories, ideas, and opinions. <laughs> and they come along, right? They come along, you know, I'm old enough to remember the banana diet. You don't remember that and all these things, you know. All these things come along, they come and the, the ideas, theories, opinions. Ideas, theories, opinions. Ide the only thing that you can take to the bank and count on is the written word of God. Amen. Every word is true. David said, forever, O Lord, thy word is true. And then when you hear when you hear the Holy Spirit say something to you in prayer, you take what you heard in prayer and you compare it to the written word of God. If it lines up to the written word of God, you run with it. If it does not line up with the written word of God, you just set it aside. And I've had that happen, you know. I just say, well, maybe I ate too much, you know, tossed and turned all night, had some kind of dream, amen. But if it doesn't line up with the written word of God, you just set it aside. The first thing Jesus did was to get their eyes off the problem. Their eyes were on the problem. They'd worked hard all night. They hadn't caught anything. Their boats were empty. He did this by asking them to do something for him, do something for him to give him their boat for a little while to use in his work. Jesus had the fishermen do something first, do something first to give him something, to give him something of themselves. In this instance, the use of the boat so that they would start looking to him as the source of their supply. Do you see what he did? He changed their focus. If you need a miracle, stop looking at the problem and start looking to the supply. Then he applied the third principle, when you give, expect a miracle, when he said, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. When Jesus, what Jesus was really saying to these independent Jewish businessmen was, dare to give me your best and then believe me for my best. And this, my friends, is the secret to our success. Sue and I have always given God our best when it comes to God and God's kingdom and God's work. Sue and I don't know how to put in less then 100% as an effort. This is the secret to our success. And when we have given God our best, we have turned around and believed God for his best. Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, because you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, Father, I'll take action. Because you say so, Holy Spirit of God, I'll take action. Because you're leading me, Father God, I'll take action. Peter could have said this another way. He could have said, Lord, I'll do it, and then I'll expect a miracle. Say it out loud. I'm going to give God my best, and then I'm going to believe God for his best. See, Paul wrote in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So God has promised to supply all of your need. So see them now. I want you to see them now in the boat. In the boats, they have given Jesus the use of their boat. Additionally, they have followed his instructions, not just in giving, not just in lending him the boat, but even now in how to conduct their business. This must have been offensive. They were professional fishermen. They were fishermen by trade. They had worked all night and hard and hadn't caught anything. So not only are they looking to him, not only are they lending him the boat, but now they're letting him tell them how to conduct their business. And what is the result? Their needs are supernaturally supplied. See, if we'll just do things God's way, 
then we'll get God's results. See them now in the boats. Their eyes are no longer on the problem. Their eyes, their attention has shifted from the problem to the Lord Jesus Christ. Their eyes, their attention has shifted from the problem to the source of their supply, the Lord Jesus. The boat that they have given him has been used to help others. Now Jesus has returned the boat to them, and now the process of multiplying their gift back to them has begun. Both of these boats will become so full of fish that they can sell at market to meet the needs of their families that the boats begin to sink. They are expectant. They know something good is about to happen to them. Their hearts are full of expectation. Jesus says, let down the nets for a catch. So the command is given. Jesus' voice was positive. His voice was electric. Instantly, the fish began to hit the nets. Their harvest was on its way in. The fishermen struggled and strained not to eke out a living. Now listen to me. They struggled and strained not to eke out a living, but to handle the monstrous, miraculous catch of fish they had taken at the Lord's command. Their nets began to break. Their boats began to sink. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. But the catch was so miraculous, both boats began to sink. I am talking about net-breaking, ship-sinking, surplus and abundance. I'm talking about too much. I'm talking about excess. Now, for 38 and a half years, you know, people have kind of resisted the message on, on excess. But let me tell you what. When it takes $150 to fill up a pickup truck, you're going to need some excess. You know, I was horrified. I went, I went to get gas yesterday and got three watermelon uh, because I happened to be there at the store. $22 for three watermelon. I mean, I'm horrified. I'm horrified. $20, $22 for three watermelon. I mean, you need to learn how to believe God. You need to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. You need to learn how to walk in the excess that God has in mind for you. Hallelujah. Shout it out loud. Thank you, Father God. You are El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. This is the same Jesus who said, Given, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, if they had not obeyed, let's turn that coin over. What if they had not obeyed? What if they had not let? What if they had not gone, done what he said? Put out into the deep. What if they had not let down their nets for a catch? If they had not obeyed, they would have missed their miraculous catch. And that's where most people live. That's where most people live. They resist. You know, we're always quoting Isaiah 119. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. Look at verse 20. If you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. T.L. Osborne, you know, I miss T.L. Osborne. He used to speak here every year. T.L. Osborne used to say, say yes to God. Say yes to God. God wants to bless you. God wants to multiply you. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. God wants you to live where you want to live. God wants you to wear what you want to wear. God wants you to drive what you want to drive. Say yes to God. It's not that hard. Amen. Sure beats saying yes to one of these politicians, doesn't it? When you give, your, when you give of yourself to God, your money, your talent, your time, 
your efforts, your love, your patience, your determination, your faith as a seed, it is a seed that will give, that you give to God. It is a seed that you give to God as a farmer gives seeds to the earth. So when you pray, you're sowing a seed. When you come to church, you're sowing a seed. When you read your Bible, you're sowing a seed. When you give your tithe, you're sowing a seed. He told them to let down their nets for a catch. Their minds had been on failure, but Jesus' mind was on success. Their minds had been on the fruitlessness of their labor, but Jesus' mind was on the miraculous catch that was about to happen. Their minds had been on the limitations that they faced. Jesus' mind was on the limitless resources of God the Father. Jesus knew that there was plenty. In fact, they were in the midst of it, but they didn't even know it. All they had to do was change on the inside, change their view, change their perspective, change their vision, obey God, and expect a miracle. I'm going to have to quit with that. All they had to do was change on the inside, change their perspective, change their vision, obey God, and expect a miracle. That's all it takes. That's all it takes is to live in expectation and to live in anticipation of God, Father God, El Shaddai God, making his word come true. And he has never failed me. He's not ever going to fail me. He's not going to fail you if we'll stay with the word of God. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You may be yet in your sins. You've never confessed your sins to Father God. You've never asked Father God in the name of Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He didn't say it was highly recommended. He said you must be born again. Revelation 3, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So you and I have been given an awesome opportunity and privilege, and that is the opportunity and privilege of making Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of our lives, personally and individually. How many this morning would say, Pastor Gene, I've never done that, but I would like to do so this morning. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Pastor, pray for me. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Pray for me. I want to, I want to join with you in the prayer of salvation. If that's you this morning, wherever you are. Lift a hand up. There may be others here this morning. You're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you once did. You're not living for the Lord like you promised him you would. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I've gone back to the old habits, the old patterns. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I ought to. But I don't want to live that way any, any longer, not another day. I want to make it right. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Everybody in the room, let's stand up. If you raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to gather your belongings in hand so your mind's not on your stuff. I want you to gather your belongings in hand. I want you to step boldly into the aisle and join me here at the front. We're going to pray. God's going to hear us. God's going to answer. God's going to restore. And for those of you watching online, you can join us in this prayer in just a moment. Whether it is a first-time prayer of commitment or a recommitment, I, I don't know about you, but I thank God for His grace and His mercy and His loving kindness. I thank God that His mercies 
are new every morning. And as long as we have the breath of life in our bodies, we can call out to him for forgiveness and he is faithful. Everybody in the room, let's pray this prayer out loud together. Father God, time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But today I repent and I turn from that old way of living. And I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. I confess that in times gone by, I've gone my own way, done my own thing. But I now confess that, Father God, you raised Jesus from the dead. And I now confess that Jesus is Lord. So I thank you, Father God, for not rejecting me, but for hearing me and receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Father God, for your grace and your mercy and your kindness. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you would go with Mr. Jeff Hughes, we'll get a book into your hands. God's very own child. Get you right back in the service. Hallelujah. And if you're watching online, you can go to fccarlington.com slash salvation. Let us know you prayed the prayer. We would love to send you a copy of that book, God's Very Own Child. If you need a Bible, let us know. We'll send you a Bible. You know, it's amazing to me, but people are watching Faith Christian Center all over the world. It's amazing. We have people watching us in the Middle East. It's amazing. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Now listen, if you're watching somewhere in one of those countries, you know, if you send us something, we'll be grateful for it. But we don't need anything because the good people of Faith Christian Center have been practicing the Word of God and the Word of God's been working for them. So all of our needs are met and all of our bills are paid and we don't owe anybody anything except the debt of love. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be free? Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and say, thank you, Father God. You're wonderful. Thank you, Father God. Thy word is true forever. Hallelujah.